As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am the world, I am the light of the world. Then, when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sense. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him clearly earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said it is, but others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, How are your eyes opened? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on the Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked him, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason his parents said, He is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone had ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who see might become blind. 
Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying we see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In this beautiful, albeit long, gospel today, we see two forms of blindness, and we also see two instances in which sight is restored. And actually, the two instances in which sight is restored are, oddly enough, sandwiched between the two cases of blindness at the beginning and the end. And that kind of gives us a clue into what is going on, and it's an interesting progression as we work throughout this gospel. First, when we start out, we are introduced to this man who was born blind. And we see Jesus' disciples ask the question, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or the sins of his parents? And this is a question we so often, often ask ourselves, right? Why does God permit such things to happen? Why would God permit this man to be born blind? And Jesus makes it clear then to say that this man was born blind so that the works of God might be made manifest, that glory might be given to God. And then it's also indicative. It shows us what the Lord is doing here and what he's trying to indicate and what he's ushering in as he opens this man's eyes. And because whenever he opens this man's eyes, it's important for us to look at the details of how he does so. It says that he spat on the ground and made clay and put it on his eyes. We, of course, then can go back to the very beginning of the Bible. And how does God create the first human beings? He forms them out of the clay of the earth and then breathes life into their nostrils. In a similar way that Christ gives light to that dirt in the ground to make clay out of it, so as to be applied to this man's eyes to make him a new creation. And this is why Jesus came. It's very clear in John's Gospel and Mark's Gospel that what Jesus is doing throughout is he's restoring creation. Creation has been broken by sin, by the entry of evil, by the sin of our first parents. And what Jesus is doing here is he's restoring what has been set wrong. Because of that original evil that came about because of the sin of our first parents, Jesus is now setting those things right. He's restoring what was lost. And so in giving this man his physical sight, he is also showing us, because this man is not healed until he washes, in the same way until we are washed in the waters of baptism, we are still dead in the sin of Adam and Eve. And so he restores us to that state in our baptism. By a physical reality, this man's blindness, which is restored, which is then done away with and restores his sight, Jesus indicates a spiritual reality. He indicates that the eyes of our heart, of our soul, are also to be opened. Because we can see throughout this gospel that this man regains first his physical sight. But then also he comes to see more and more deeply God working in his life. Jesus at work, not just in bringing back his physical sight, but in helping him to see God at work in his own experience. And we can see this because... The first time this man is asked, who do you say that he is? 
or who opened your eyes? And he says, the man named Jesus. He calls him nothing more than a man, like anyone else. But then interestingly, whenever he's brought before the disciple, before the Pharisees, I'm sorry, before the Pharisees, and they ask him, who do you think this man is? He says, he is a prophet. So now Jesus has gone from just some dude to a prophet. And then finally, whenever we see the spiritual sight fully restored, whenever he's given new sight to see something that he could not see before, he sees Jesus and Jesus tells him that he is the Son of Man, that he is essentially God, he is the Messiah, the Christ. Then this man worships him. And we know that worship belongs to one and one alone, and that is God. So very clearly in this gospel, Jesus is saying that he is God, that he is, not, that he is the Son of God, that he is God incarnate, that he is the manifestation of the Father's glory. And in that, we see that this man's sight is gradually restored in a similar way to all of you parents out there, grandparents know that a child, one of their firstborn, can hardly see in front of them. But yet, as they gain, as they go throughout their lives, eventually it's always one of those interesting times and you can tell whenever a child develops farsightedness to some extent because then they can see their mother leaving the room and they'll begin to wail, something they never realized before until they have the sight to be able to see that their mom's leaving. In a similar way, we see this man able to see deeper and deeper and deeper into the reality of who Jesus really is, of who God is, and how he's moving in his life. In the same way, each of us are invited to open our, uh, the eyes of our soul more and more. Jesus figuratively puts clay upon our eyes and asks us to wash each and every time we go into the confessional, but also he does this throughout our lives. It is always fascinating to me to see how people can see the Lord at work in all the situations of life. There's always these little indications, these little ways that people can see. That we can see him at work in not just great and miraculous things, but also in mundane and boring things. And even in situations that seem bad or evil, God is always at work. I'll never forget my, during my time in seminary, I spent a summer in Chicago. And I got to spend a day just helping out with the Catholic Heart Work Camp, helping to guide these kids as we were pulling weeds at some park because it was massively overgrown, some inner city park in Chicago. And as you're we digging, you know, everybody was kind of complaining that this is a job they got, right? Because who wants to pull weeds when they're supposed to be doing service? But then I was like, I don't know why. I just asked them, like, well, what could be the deeper meaning here? And some of the kids were stumped. But then this young lady, she's seventh grader, Savannah was her name. I'll never forget. She's like, it's kind of like our hearts, you know? Sins grow up, and then sometimes they get really big, like a lot of these weeds are just out of control. And we need to uproot them. We need to pull them from our lives. And the thing is, though, we probably won't uproot them completely because they'll probably come back soon enough because we probably dropped some seed or didn't get the roots completely, and we'll have to pull them again and again. But if we pay closer attention, we can pull them up when they're younger and younger. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I never would have thought of that. But she was able to see something that 
deeper and what was boring and mundane and frivolous work in some ways. In the same way, the Lord invites us to see more deeply into our own experiences. You can see him at work in your workplace, whether you're on the farm, the assembly line, the office, whether you're at home, whether you're sitting down with a friend, he is at work, even in those bad situations of life. And this is what we are encouraged to do. As this man develops a deeper and deeper insight into who Jesus is, so we too can look deeper and deeper into our own experiences in life to see the Lord at work. And so we see that spiritual sight is restored throughout this gospel. And so it is for us as well. As we progress throughout life, we begin to see more and more things in how the Lord is at work. But then this gospel ends on a rather interesting note. It ends with pointing out the blindness of the Pharisees. The Pharisees who deny Jesus throughout this gospel. Again and again, despite the fact that Jesus heals a man born blind, which has never been done before. No one else had done that in all of Scripture. But yet they continue to deny who he is, simply because he does it on this Sabbath. Although it was little to no work on his part. He made some clay. The man washed and he was healed. It wasn't that labor-intensive. So exactly how he's breaking the Sabbath is not clear to them. But nonetheless, they decide to hold it against him. And he calls them out because we too can do this. In the same way that we can grow in our spiritual sight, we can blunt and blind ourselves to reality. To reality that, like that young lady observed in that park that we were pulling weeds at, that sin grows in our life, that it's true, a true reality, and it blunts our ability to see God at work, to see who we truly are, which are his beloved sons and daughters. And that when we blind ourselves to the fact that we are sinners, we cannot receive mercy. As Jesus tells us, if you were blind, you would have no sin, but now you are saying we see, so your sin remains. Because you think I, you understand that I'm not God, because you don't acknowledge who I am, you can't receive the mercy, the grace, the abundance of life that I want to give you because you think I have nothing to give. In the same way, where we look in our lives, we can sometimes see our sin, and either because it's not really a sin or because that sin's too great, he doesn't want to forgive it. We hold back. We blind ourselves to that reality and refuse to receive his grace, his forgiveness, the abundant mercy that he wants to bestow upon us as children. But yet, whenever we accept that perhaps he's calling us to something deeper, calling us to let go of our sin and other things, he can do such mo so much more and open our eyes as he opened this blind man's eyes in today's gospel. And then finally, I'll end with yet another story that you will hear many, many times in my coming years. You probably already heard it already. A story of how the Lord showed me an area where I was blind through somebody else calling out my sin that then was able to restore me to sight and enabled me to care more deeply for those around me and to become a better man. My senior year of college seminary, Father Bob, who was our rector, the priest in charge of the seminary, he and I and all the seniors and all the freshmen every other week would meet with him, you know, to go over 
how's the sermon going, how's prayer going, what are the next steps for you, and all those kind of things, right? Just kind of a check-in to help guide you through the year, to help guide you in formation to become a better man and, and one day hopefully a better priest, if that was what God was calling you to. And one day I went in for my meeting, and we started off with prayer as we always did. And after he got done with the prayer, he kind of looked at me, and all of a sudden I just started to see, like, tears welling up in his eyes. I was like, what the heck's going on? And he, like, looks down, and then he looks up at me. And he just looks at me with tears in his eyes and says, Jared, I need you on my team. And I was like, what? I was so confused because I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, I'm, I'm on your team, Father Bob, right? And he's like, I need you on my team. Those freshmen out there, those 18-year-olds that are immature, have no idea what they're doing, they look up to you. They want your help and your guidance, but you just ignore them. I know they seem silly to you, but you were that way four years ago. And remember how Dave and Tim took you under their wing and how much it helped you for your first year of seminary? I need you to do that for me and for them. I was like, oh, you're right. And he was totally right. While I had grown a lot over those four years and grown in so many ways, I was annoyed by these new comeuppance who thought, you know, like that were just immature. And I just wanted to ignore them and just get through the year and get on to the next steps in my life. But he showed me that I was neglecting my responsibility to care for them, my responsibility to help them to become good men as seniors my freshman year helped me to become a better seminarian and a better man. And after that moment, I did embrace many of the freshmen of which Father Aaron was one of them. And one of them even, you know, he discerned that he was not called to the priesthood and he's now married with two kids and we still keep in regular contact. Because of Father Bob's willingness to challenge me and to call me out and help me to see my sin, my blindness was removed and I was able to see what God was truly calling me to do, what he needed from me. In the same way, in your own life, I want to encourage you to see those areas to where perhaps you're blind to the needs of a spouse, the needs of a child, the needs of a parent, a neighbor, a coworker. To see where perhaps your sight is blunted to your sin. And then ask the Lord for the grace to overcome it. Because he embraces you in love. He doesn't condemn you for it. He simply wants to remove it. To remove it so that you can see correctly, follow him more closely, and to see him at work in every element of your life. And in doing so, I guarantee you that, as i found so many times throughout my life, that in having that sin removed and coming into deeper spiritual sight, I also come to a deeper understanding of God's love for me, a deeper trust and hope in his providence for what comes ahead, but also then a joy that no matter what happens, good, bad, and different, a joy that the world cannot blunt or take away. And that is what he desires for each and every one of us who are his beloved children.